Hello, hello. It's episode 62 of Leading Women in Tech. How is your day going? How is your week going? How is your August going? And well, how's your career going, my love? I hope it's going well. Today, I'm going to be talking all about servant leadership. But of course, I feel like I need to give you an update, which actually these days is a weather update, right? (laughs) Can I just complain for a second? I know I live in Scotland, and so I know that the weather is supposed to be terrible, but I've kind of been a little bit blessed this summer. We've had glorious weather. I know a lot of the world has had too much hot weather, but it has been just about perfect for me most of the time. A little bit hot sometimes which many of you in other countries would laugh at because hot by my definition is anything over the 25 Celsius. Do not ask me what that is in Fahrenheit. I have no idea. I do know that 28 is 82, so that's the only one I know. But anyway, (laughs) in my defense, it's very humid here. But I'm just going to complain for a second because it's autumn already, fall if you're in the US. It's fall already. What on earth is going on? I mean, like it's been like this since like possibly the second week in August, maybe around the 7th or 8th of August, it started getting wet. It's just been raining solid. It's like we've got the summer's weather in one hot, cold month, one wet, dingy month. <laughs> so anyway, I, it's, it, I'm recording this on a weekend and I'm recording because it's chucking it down outside. So anyway, that's my update. <laughs> Let me know what the weather is like near you. Apparently, that's the, the top of mind thing for me right now. Partly, I will admit, I am staying away from the news right now. The world is a very depressing place. Thankfully, at least in some countries, COVID is taking a turn for the better. Still heartbreaking how many people are dying, but there's the whole climate change thing. And uh, I'm finding that very, very depressing right now because I do not see enough action being taken. So staying with the safe topics. Anyway, let's get on to the topic of today's podcast, which is all about servant leadership. Now, this has come about because one of my clients was asking me about servant leadership. She's actually somebody asked her about it in an interview. She was, she's hiring someone and they said, does your organization use servant leadership? And she was a bit flummoxed. And so I thought I'd use it as an opportunity to do a little bit of a leadership model discussion. Um, I'm always up for these things. If you like today's discussion, if you found it helpful, I'm happy to discuss other leadership models. Do drop me a message over on LinkedIn or anywhere else. I'm all over the internet. (laughs) Send me an email to support at tonycollis.com and let me know what you want me to discuss. This podcast is for you as a listener and to help you up level. So I'm here to discuss anything you're after. Anyway, let's dig into what is servant leadership. Is it something you need to be worrying about? Is it something you need to be doing? Are you already doing it? (laughs) And if you're not, what can you do instead? I'm even going to be talking about the pros and cons because, hey, that's the way this rolls around here. You're listening to the Leading Woman in Tech podcast where we talk about real leadership and what this means for the world of tech, the techniques, tips and strategies you can use to become a standout leader. I'm your host, Tony Collis, tech leadership coach, strategist, and coffee lover. And in each episode, I share my best insights designed to make your success not just simple, but inevitable. Whether you're on the way to the C-suite, an emerging leader, or a budding entrepreneur, this is the podcast you need to become a lit-up leader and turn your tech passion into a career you love. Okay, let's dig straight in. 
Servant leadership as a thing has been around for, well, potentially millennia, but it was first described officially in an essay by a chap called Robert Greenleaf at some point in the 1970s. I cannot remember the date. I first learned about servant leadership like a decade ago or something. So I just kind of jotted down my notes and we're going from there. <laughs> um, the, Greenleaf described it as the servant leader is a servant first. Great. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, straight up, this chap states that there are two extremes of leadership, which I completely agree with, by the way. The first, the servant, Lee, is is a servant. They aim to serve. They aim to say, how can I help you? Essentially, that's their goal. Serve first. The other end is lead first. Now, Greenleaf suggests that the lead first is driven by the need to have power and acquire material possessions. That's a quote from him. I would argue that's not a leader. That's it's an interesting viewpoint, but it's not leadership. Right? The need for power, the need to acquire material possessions, and to use your career to do that is why we is it is a power thing, right? It actually has nothing to do with leadership, as I've talked about on the podcast before. You can be a leader at any point. You can be a leader as a three year old. In fact, my two and a half year old niece—I swear she's a leader already. She bosses her big brother. Okay, maybe that's not leadership, but. She's already influencing people, is my point. She can influence anybody. Um, in fact, my mother, her grandmother, <laughs> said that she takes after me because apparently I was influencing. Actually, my mother would say I was twisting everybody around my little finger from the day I was born. And I think my niece has that. And certainly my mother, my niece's grandmother, certainly says that. <laughs> And so actually, I don't think that leadership is about having that desire for power. I think that is a desire we have. I don't think it's got anything to do with leadership. But I take the point that we can serve first or we can actually lead through, well, manage through dictation, I suppose, is the other end of the spectrum to me. Now, Greenleaf has a whole center for servant leadership named after him. I don't know if he founded it or not. I didn't actually look into that. But really, they talk about how the Greenleaf vision and leadership style is about ensuring those around the leader are served by the leader to grow. And it's really about showing up in your leadership model, in your leadership methodology as somebody who's here to help everybody else grow. There's an interesting phrase. Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer, more autonomous, more likely themselves to become servants. And what is the effect on the least privileged in society? Will they benefit or at least not be further deprived? That's a quote from the Greenleaf Centre. I think that is absolutely fascinating because actually what this alludes to is something that we see in what is called trickle-down economics, where there's this political assumption in economics. I am a bit of a nerd about economics because I'm married to a man who's a bit of a nerd around economics. <laughs> there's this political assumption that if you invest in big corporations and the rich, that their money will trickle down through society. It's a very, very prevalent belief. It's used all the time in all modern economies and yet simply doesn't work. A lot of the economics research out there is about showing how that is not working, even though it's being adopted left, right and centre by governments internationally. And the same applies to our companies. When the emphasis from management is on everything but the employees, 
you're assuming that your employees are going to do well because the company does well. So you focus on keeping shareholders happy so that they invest more because when they invest more, consumers will buy more. Or there's a there's a heavy emphasis on making sure the customers are happy because when that happens, there's more money. And trickle down economics turned into the corporate environment is if we make more money, our employees will be happier because they'll make more money. But we all know it doesn't quite work that way, right? First of all, shareholders tend to keep more of the money. This executive team will take more dividends. And more to the point, if you focus solely on helping to make customers happy or helping to make shareholders or stakeholders happy, you are ultimately going to end up neglecting your employees if they aren't front and center. And when you do that, it doesn't matter if a group is happy outside the company, because ultimately the company only functions, the company is the the bringing together of the employees. Without the employees, there isn't a company because there's nobody to do anything. I own a company, but my company doesn't do anything without my team. In fact, if all my team left me right now, even though I don't have anybody working for me full time, but if all my team left me right now, I would have to like, I don't know, I'd do about a quarter of what I currently do. Even though I'm the primary employee of a very, very small business, small but mighty, small but mighty, <laughs> right? And so Greenleaf and his servant leadership is really alluding to the fact that a lot of management has been at that end of the spectrum. It is focusing on everything other than the employee. And servant leadership is focusing on the other end of the spectrum. And that is precisely the point. There is a spectrum. Those are two extremes. Another thing to just bear in mind here is um, servant leadership is not a new concept. Um, <laughs> not at all. It was just formalized in the 1970s. So this is something that actually has been around for potentially millennia. But it's about really understanding how can I help those I lead to grow? How can I serve them such that they grow? So the word serve and servant is actually misunderstood a lot of the time when we talk about servant leadership, when people ask about it. Because when we hear servant leadership, we immediately jump to the, how can I help you? Right? Which I think is a great phrase for you to use a boss and a manager. How can I help you? And I say this to my clients. I'm like, I want you to get to the point where you've created such momentum in your team and your organization. They understand the vision. They understand the strategy. They know what tactics to employ to get to that strategy. But you can literally rock up and say, how can I help you move forwards? Right? So this is a great phrase. But a lot of people think that's what servant leadership is. And it's not. <laughs> servant leadership is, how can I help these people become even better? How can I help them grow? How can I get them to the point where they are helping other people grow? It is that ultimate reaching down and pulling other people up and pulling other people up in such a way that they're going to pull other people up. I absolutely love it. It's the ultimate level playing field methodology. It is about bringing everybody to the same level, which as a philosophy, I am 100% behind because I truly believe the world would be a better place if we stop being so obsessed with hierarchy. <laughs> oh my goodness me, that's a whole political discussion for another episode, if we dare go down the politics route. <laughs> but working in the tech field of tech, right, there is definitely not a level playing field, especially for women and minorities. And so this just sounds really great, like the idea that we could undertake it. But the reality as always is that although it's this great idea, it's a model, it's an idea, and more to the point, there's a spectrum. 
most people will sit somewhere along this spectrum, somewhere between the extreme servant, the person whose only focus is on how can I make these people grow, and the other extreme, which is how can I make more money and nothing to do with the employees at all, right? Most of us sit somewhere between those two extremes. When you meet somebody on one of the extremes, they are generally very difficult to work with because actually we tend to sit in the extremes when we don't have empathy for other people, I think. Maybe that's a bit of a sweeping statement, but hey, I'm going with that for now. (laughs) I'd love to know what you think about that, actually. But at the end of the day, servant leadership, as with any other leadership model, is a model. And this is the big thing I want you to hear today. If you hear nothing else, I'm going to be continuing to talk about servant leadership, how to implement it, pros and cons. But it is a model. (laughs) right? And I think a lot of the time when we get something wrong, when things derail, it's when uh, this thing, this model, this learning that we've had becomes our entire philosophy and operating manual. It is just a model. It's not perfect, okay? (laughs) As a physicist by training, I'm well-versed in the fact that the model's never perfect. Hey, the only reason we have relativity is because Newtonian mechanics is great most of the time, but it breaks down because it is just a model. Relativity is also just a model for the same kind of mechanics. You can just move faster, right? I Side note here, this will make you chuckle, I hope. But I remember the day we were told to model a cow as a sphere. Oh yeah, this is this is what physics does for you. Everything is about how can we approximate that to the to an acceptable degree of accuracy. Bottling cows as spheres. Another one was having parallel lines that meet in the distance. You can assume <laughs> that they're parallel here and therefore do some mathematics based on parallel lines. But they're not parallel because you're also going to assume that we're a triangle. And this is this is what I mean by models, right? Model is just a model. It's just a framework to move around and use. And especially when we're talking about sociology and psychology, which is really this field, the leadership field, we don't know everything. In fact, psychology and sociology as disciplines are very, very young. They are like the hardest thing. It's why I like physics, because actually we're doing the really hard stuff in physics. But psychology we're scratching the surface and it's harder than the physics right (laughs) so you just accept that this is a model and it's not perfect and it's going to grow and evolve it's still being researched today right it is definitely not perfect okay i hope i've drilled that into your head (laughs) more than anything else it's got limitations number one takeaway it has limitations but let's dig in for the rest of the episode to really help you understand how to use servant leadership to really influence your unique leadership style i want you to be informed that's the whole point of this episode i want you to understand the pros and the cons and i want you to also learn how to read the people in front of you and how to adapt and grow based on the needs of the situation you're in because that's really what leadership is about in my mind it's saying i have all these tools in my toolkit servant leadership being one of them. What do I need to apply right here, right now? (laughs) That is great leadership more than anything. So let's have a talk about what we can do with servant leadership. Well, many people who've studied servant leadership will tell you it's employee first, and that's very, very true. But that very much simplifies what it's really about. Employee first is often about ensuring a leader focuses on creating a vision and values that employees understand coaching and developing those employees and ultimately supporting your employees' success in in whatever way that or form that comes. 
there is an expectation alongside that that business success is just going to happen as a result. And while it's true that if you really focus on your people, that you will have business success, you have to make sure that your people focus is aligned with the business success. And I think that's where I see servant leadership sometimes derailing companies. Not very often. We do live in a capitalist society. So there's a growth, 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 growth emphasis. Not necessarily a healthy thing. Again, another political comment there from me. <laughs> but it's, it's actually unusual to find a company that doesn't consider the business side of it. But I do think you need to have both. It doesn't mean you can't put employees first, but you shouldn't forget the business, if you see what I mean. For example, you're not going to hire any old person. You're going to hire somebody who has the skills for the business, right? And you want to apply that to every aspect of your employee and your organizational, like people organization, attitude and decision making. And I mean, Greenleaf ultimately boils down servant leadership to two simple statements. I serve because I am the leader and I am the leader because I serve. Now, that first statement, the I serve because I am the leader is the truly altruistic statement, that selfless concern for the well-being of others, putting others first. The second part, I am the leader because I serve, is about saying that I'm a leader simply because I'm able to serve these people. I also think that the the first altruistic approach that I serve because I am the leader is sometimes for us as women, especially early on in our careers, is why we fall into the trap of the people pleasing because it's very easy to go from serving people to people pleasing. I don't want to upset this person. I don't want to give them true genuine feedback. And that's not actually serving them. And again, this is one of the issues with serving leadership is when it's poorly applied. It is a model, it's a framework, it's an idea. But you have to understand where the weaknesses of misinterpretation are. So if I serve because I am the leader, is the way you're operating. You have to realize that the best thing for some people is not to just keep them happy. Sometimes the best thing you can do for them is to give them honest, critical feedback. Sometimes the best thing you can do for everybody is to let someone go. I really hate that. I always, always like to think that we can turn people around, but I do know sometimes we have to let people go for lots of reasons. But if we hold on to our people-pleasing instincts, we we don't have those difficult conversations. We don't let people go. So again, it's kind of understanding when should you be applying the, I serve because I am the leader. And it's about knowing when it's going to be providing good for the for the, the greater good, I suppose, is the phrase I'm looking for here. Like, how can you serve this greater community in a really good way? At the end of the day, people don't challenge toxicity often because it's really, really uncomfortable. But actually, the true altruistic approach is enabling toxicity by not challenging it is damaging the broader workforce. And therefore, I have to do something about it. Altruism is really the selfless concern for, for other people, as I've said, but that has to be beyond just the person right in front of you, right? But if we go back to the second statement, I am the leader because I serve, that's really about the individual leader deciding they want to be a leader 
and then deciding therefore that they need to serve, right? So you can look at this from either direction. Either you serve because you're a leader or that you are a leader and therefore you want to serve. But either way you look at it, you end up putting other people first. But this leaves an awful lot of room on the table for what it's all about, as I've already kind of alluded to, right? (laughs) Over the last four decades, there's been an awful lot adopted on it, written about it, as well as research. And this is a core philosophy and quite possibly this is like the biggest problem with it. There, There is this underpinning idea of employee first results in better business, but there are many, many interpretations of what that actually means. That's not necessarily a bad thing. I hope you're already kind of getting that picture here. Actually, you know what? It's one of the joys of the human race is that we can do and hold so many different ideas and opinions. I know it's also really frustrating, but (laughs) I think it's such a beautiful thing that we can have these discussions and we can have multiple opinions and interpretations because there is no one size fits all ever. But it also highlights that there's no perfect way of doing anything, right? And that's ultimately what you want to take away from this. If there was a perfect way, you can guarantee there'll be somebody screaming from the rooftops. Hey, there are people screaming from the rooftops that they've got the perfect way. But if there was a perfect way, everybody would have realized this by now and would be doing it and following this one person screaming rather than listening to whoever's talking the loudest right now, which if you're listening to this, that might be me in your earbuds. (laughs) And every leadership expert I've ever spoken to, starting with the very first leadership trainer I ever had who took I had a leadership course like very early on in my career every single one of these people has had a different interpretation a different opinion of what showing up as a servant leader is what you should do what you shouldn't do how you should interact how you should create business models how you should promote people because you can hang anything off servant leadership you can structure your entire organization if you wish to on servant leadership There are people who have spent their entire careers researching it. They cover things such as um, there's the 10 characteristics of the servant leader from Larry Spears, which include empathy, listening, healing, awareness, persuasion, conceptualization, foresight, stewardship, commitment to the growth of people and building community. Did you get that all written down? (laughs) Honestly, when I read that, I was like, so basically we can sum that up as great empathetic leadership. It's kind of like how I would summarize that if I was training people in leadership. That's certainly like my philosophy is show up as an empathetic leader because empathetic leadership is also having those tricky conversations in my opinion. Um, But that's kind of my point, right? Like there's still research going on today. In fact, the most recent study I could find on servant leadership, there's probably others. I didn't try that hard but was about how servant leadership behaviors are linked to the spiritual dimension. So I think people have hooked onto this from every single angle, right? And this brings us to something I really want you to take away from this episode. I want you to realize that whatever you hear, including this podcast, the only right way to adopt any of what I'm saying, any model, not just servant leadership, but any leadership model, the only right or wrong thing to do is about what you are going to do. It is about understanding what you and your organization needs. It's about showing up as an empathetic leader and learning and listening. It's about showing up as a self-aware leader and learning and listening. And it's about figuring out what really works. Read all this stuff and listen to all this stuff and adopt things and try them out, but then feel okay to let go when they don't work out. 
do be prepared to put the long game work in because some of these things do take a long time to really work. And when I get to the pros and cons of of servant leadership later in the show, one of the big cons that we're going to talk about, well, probably fairly briefly, is the fact that you don't get quick results necessarily if you're turning a ship around in in this methodology. Like you have to do upfront work for servant leadership to work. So do give it the time it needs. But the biggest mistake you can make is thinking that there's only one thing you should be doing and following it like a slave and not paying any attention to any other information that's coming in and telling you that there's a better way to do something. Ultimately, that's the leadership model I want you to adopt, your unique leadership model. But hey-ho, I keep going off on tangents today. (laughs) So let's talk through some of those pros and cons. In particular, I kind of talked about a lot of the pros right now, but I want to talk through some of the issues that come from people adopting servant leadership without really knowing how they need to show up. Because servant leadership requires a lot of authenticity. And yet, as we also know, authentic leadership is very heavily misunderstood. One of the other things that comes up with servant leadership is that it can be viewed as negligent to the business needs. When actually done well, and again, this is all interpretation, but I've seen people implement servant leadership where actually it has been the best thing for the business. Putting your people first in the right way is about really aligning the business and the people's needs. Making sure that your people org is really, really aligned with your business organization. It's why concepts such as ethical businesses and why the B Corporation certification exists. To solidify and document that alignment between people and business. And that is where we really have great servant leadership implementation. It isn't about uh, being negligent to the business needs, not at all. Because actually, if you think about it, if you don't pay attention to the business needs, ultimately, you're going to damage your team. Because if the business needs aren't fulfilled, your business will fail. And therefore, you have to let your team go. Right? <laughs> so you need to have all that alignment. Another problem I see regularly is when people perceive servant leaders as weak or ineffective. Again, I think this is a misunderstanding. and It really goes hand in hand with the macho managers. Um, we've, we've all seen this, right? We've all seen the managers who just cannot understand empathetic leadership. And I would say that servant leadership is just, as I've alluded to, basically another name for empathetic leadership in some respects. You are always going to get that criticism if you use empathy as a leadership trait. If you show up and make sure that your team is supported, you back them, you delegate to them. There is going to be somebody at some point in your career, whether it's in your current job or your next job or a past job, who doesn't get that style of management. And you know what? It's their loss. (laughs) It is not weak. It is actually a strength because you have to have so much trust in your team and they trust you. It is most definitely not ineffective. We know that carrot and stick doesn't work as a concept. People don't work these days, certainly not in the tech industry when salaries are pretty good internationally. And, you know, people can vote with their feet. There's a dearth of talent, right? People don't work for companies where they are, things are ineffective. And businesses fold all the time. So if it really was an ineffective leadership style, there would be no businesses doing it. And there are big businesses who would, he will say to you, we, we do servant leadership. 
Um, you can have a debate about whether that's the right or wrong thing to really run your business as I said. I think it's more of a label and then you have to figure out how exactly that's going to show up. A lot of people pay a lot of consultants to create a servant leadership methodology and organizational structure for their organization. But as as I've said, there's actually no one perfect way to do these things. So Um, another criticism is that the formal authority of the leader is diminished. Depends what you mean by formal authority. And I think this really is people speaking to their innate fear of my ability to achieve things comes because of my positional power. And I've talked about positional power previously on the podcast. Great leadership is nothing about positional power. Your power comes because people trust and admire you and want to listen to you and see something in you that they want. And that's earned. It doesn't just show up and you you don't get it from the job title. Positional power is from the job title. It's a much, much harder journey. So yeah, servant leadership may on the face of it look like there's less formal authority, but that's only because the people who think that don't know how else to lead and don't realize the benefits of getting great returns from having trust. Um, Another criticism, this one, when I read this one, this made me laugh. So I'm going to quote it to you. Team members are expected to make a decision but they might not have the strong understanding of a big picture. I really read that and I'm just just like, whoever came up with that particular one, do they understand leadership at all? You want to be, I mean, I can talk about this one all day. I need to do a whole podcast on this. You need to delegate my love and you need to delegate decisions, not just actions. (laughs) You need to delegate outcomes. You need really good delegation frameworks. It's one of the things I teach in my academy is, how to delegate purposefully, how to delegate decision-making, how to delegate with a clear framework so that people know where their boundaries are for making decisions and that you're going to get behind them and you're going to feel good about getting behind them, even if you wouldn't have made that decision in that way. Because that's the only way you're going to free yourself up to actually get stuff done. <laughs> All right. And so again, I think this is this was written by somebody who didn't really understand proper leadership because in order to help that person make decisions if you're delegating to them they have to understand all of the context they need and that's your job as the leader if you haven't done that then you failed as a leader irrespective of your leadership model so again I actually think that has nothing to do with servant leadership or anything else I think that is about leadership full stop Another one, which I think is very, very valid, is different leadership styles across teams can cause confusion. I would add to that, can cause jealousy. I've worked in organizations where some managers are great leaders, others aren't. Some will refer to particular frameworks, some will just make it up as they go along. And yeah, it doesn't just cause confusion. It's like you see people jumping ship to other teams. Um, I've had a number of clients who've had a lot of people want to come and work under them, causes all sorts of issues in the in the organization, actually, when that happens. If you get a bit of a reputation for being a great leader, um, a more inclusive leader, more empathetic, and you never know what, a more servant leader, uh, it can cause issues. But really, the confusion piece is because the teams aren't working together well, Right. Um, as a leader, as a manager, part of your job is to make sure there's good team interaction at all levels. 
and making it clear to your team that just because they can make decisions this way doesn't mean that the other team's going to make that. So you may well delegate a whole load of decision making down and they will be working directly with another team without going up the tree and back down again on the other side. They need to be aware they can't push that team to make decisions. Again, that's on you as a leader. So yes, it can cause confusion, but actually because of poor implementation. All of these really come down to poor implementation or poor understanding, in my opinion. The and Another criticism is the initial speed of decision-making is slower due to high team involvement, um, which actually goes hand-in-hand hand with misalignment of, of decisions. Yes and no with this one. There is an upfront cost when you make any change servant leadership being one of them but that upfront cost pays dividends in the long run um a lot of the work i do again with my clients is helping them understand how to be more proactive than reactive in their careers how to show up to a meeting with a goal and a vision for how they're going to get the outcome they want rather than just rocking up and letting the meeting happen to them right there's a huge amount of upfront effort moving from that reactive to that proactive mode. And servant leadership is a lot like that when you're changing to servant leadership, if I haven't used it before, or changing to any form of empathetic leadership. You have to set this up for success. You have to do a lot of upfront work to change the culture, to change attitudes, to change perceptions, to step into what is it my people need in order to feel confident in order to feel aligned with the business, in order to understand why they're here and why they should care about the vision we're setting out and why they matter, all that sort of stuff. There's a lot of upfront effort. And especially if you change from a fairly negative culture, there's also a lot of deconditioning to do. If there's been a toxicity in place, there's a lot of habits that have come about from the need to protect ourselves. You're going to have to undo and you aren't going to see the dividends of servant leadership and empathetic leadership until you undo that harm. If you're just gently tweaking a model to be more servant focused, you're not going to see that. But I think a lot of the time when we think that there's this real cost to changing this model and have this level of team involvement, there is an education piece and that is upfront work, but the long-term dividends are huge. And then the final one is... Decreased motivation and resourcefulness if leader rescues the team. This is an interesting one, which is why I've left it in here. There were like, I could have found like dozens and dozens of issues and they were kind of around the same sort of themes. But this one I wanted to leave in because we've all seen the leader who has the best of intentions coming in and rescuing, right? We've all had to do that maybe. Well, at some point in your career, you're going to have to do that. I've certainly done that. I've stepped in and done something. And I've seen the impact it's had on motivation. In hindsight, pretty much all of those situations, one, I could have avoided, or two, I didn't actually need to step in the way I did step in. So again, I would say this is about implementation. Also, our development, our abilities as a leader to, one, recognize something's derailing before it does, and two, recognizing how to get it back on track. And then three, doing triage afterwards on the ramifications. A lot of the time that decreased motivation comes when we haven't done damage um, limitation after we've had to do something, right? If we've had to do something, if we've had, think about change management. A lot of what you're doing there is mitigation of 
you know, how people are feeling about the situation. So you minimize risks of people leaving and being upset, right? If you've had to step in and do something that was unexpected and that upset the boat, you've got to think the same way. It applies to everything. So yes, when you have to rescue the situation, you're, you know, you're going to have to do some remedy. The more practice you are, the less like you're going to need to do that, the less severe that rescue is going to be. You might just have to tweak around the edges. Ideally, what you actually get to is the ability to ask the right questions such that they, quotes, rescue themselves, right? But I mean, that's, you know, you get to that point after years and years and years, and there's still going to be something at some point where you have to step in and do something. The argument against servant leadership is that you don't have to rescue things if you don't have servant leadership, which is absolute BS, right? (laughs) At some point, you're going to have to rescue things, full stop, right? Again, it's understanding like what this really means. But the whole point with servant leadership is you put all this trust and faith and power in people so that when you step in, the argument is, well, you know, they're going to then lose that in some way. But you've still got the dividends. So actually, you're you're starting from a, a further ahead on the start line than you would if you weren't operating this way. But it really is about mitigating the damage if you've done any, as it would be in any situation. I could talk about this stuff all day, but that would make a crazy long episode. But I hope I've given you kind of a whistle-stop tour of like, what servant leadership looks like. The fact that it isn't like a set in stone thing, despite what you might hear. If you've ever gone to a leadership training that's talked about servant leadership, they might give you like, this is our framework. There is no such thing. (laughs) Go to 10 leadership trainings on servant leadership. You're going to get 10 different frameworks, I promise you. What it is, is a philosophy. And there are some really, really good things about the philosophy. But as with all of these things, there's no perfect way to do it. The one thing I want you to take away is that you need to find your way to do this. But as always, let's finish up with a leadership mindset moment. In case you're new around here, what is a leadership mindset moment? I hear you ask. Well, it's an actual tip or way to adjust how you think to make it easier to up-level on the topic of today's podcast. And today, of course, it's about servant leadership. And I want to talk about how to adopt servant leadership as a style Uh, or embrace some of the attributes of it, even though your organization doesn't use it. If you are in a position in some way to adopt it, but maybe you can't make the cultural change that you would like to have in order for this to be more broadly adopted, how do you do this? More to the point, how do you get out of your own head so you don't spend all your time thinking you can't do this and therefore not taking action? We are talking mindset, right? (laughs) Well, first up, Let's just address that one head on. There is nothing stopping you adopting servant leadership with your team unless you are being micromanaged yourself, right? If your management style is being micromanaged, you're going to have a harder time here, right? Because you're going to get criticism from doing it. But at the end of the day, as long as your business unit is achieving business objectives, how you get that stuff done, as long as you're getting there, really doesn't matter, (laughs) Now, you're going to get criticism. I can promise you you're going to get criticism because that's the way human brains work. We always see bad things, right? It's why when you ask for reviews, you're more likely to get the negative ones. Human beings are really bad at giving positive reviews unless they're explicitly asked for it. And that's going to apply to however you manage your team as well, right? And there will also be an adjustment phase where you're figuring it out where your mindset is going to come and get in the way, which is why this mindset moment is so important, because this is where you're most likely to stumble, give up, and step back. So the mindset shift I want you to keep front and center is to believe 
and trust in your team. I've talked about trust an awful lot on the podcast before. It's something I think is fundamental to great leadership, and that is true with servant leadership as well. To a large extent, a lot of the underpinning actions of servant leadership come about because of trust. Without trust, none of the rest of it is possible. You trust that they can be empowered. You trust that they can be delegated to, that they will take action if you share with them a why that resonates with them rather than the why that's in the business plan, right? You have to get inside their heads and trust that when you manage to do that, they're going to do the right thing. You need to trust. You need to have faith in them and their actions when no one else does. Part of being a great leader is being behind your team and saying, my team is freaking awesome. (laughs) They are going to get this done. If you can get behind trust as you make this adjustment, if you as you gradually adopt a more people-focused leadership style, trusting leadership style, if you keep trust front and center, assume trust first, the rest of it's going to start falling into place. So whenever you have doubts, whenever you're thinking about backtracking, center yourself on, I trust my team. Because I can promise you, if you lead with the presumption of trust, they are most of the time they're going to trust you back. If you lead with the presumption of they have to earn my trust, you're, most of them are never going to trust you because they know that you don't trust them. This idea that trust should be earned is outdated and quite frankly unhelpful. Lead with the presumption of trust. Somebody at some point in your career is going to screw you over, but the majority of people are going to respect the fact that you trust them, are going to give that back to you. And that is amazing as a leader. The second mindset shift I want you to make is to recognize that this is a journey. It's a spectrum. It's a model, right? And this is, there is a journey from left to right or right to left or up to down, top to bottom, actually. It's a spectrum, but hey, it's probably far more than just linear on a line. (laughs) But you're making a, you're on a journey to make this shift. There is no one size fits all, as I've said, and you're going to need to listen to your instincts and take uncomfortable actions. Now, the real mindset adjustment you need to make here, other than realizing it's a journey, is that it's going to be uncomfortable, but rather than shrinking back when it's uncomfortable, you need to pause and understand, is this genuinely negative right now? Why am I just uncomfortable? Because uncomfortable is a great place to be. That's where all the exciting things happen. But it's also what we want to shy away from. It's uncomfortable by definition. <laughs> That's why I talk about being comfortable with getting uncomfortable. But if you can recognize why you're uncomfortable, am I uncomfortable because there's genuinely a problem here that I should be reevaluating? I should be stepping back from, I should be pausing. Or am I just uncomfortable because it's unknown? If this is just a great leadership trait in its own right, right? But if you can pause and make that assessment, make that mindset shift, like I'm on a journey that is uncomfortable and there's nothing right now that says I should stop, you're going to get further faster. You're going to do great things faster because otherwise you're going to always be listening to that. Oh gosh, I don't like this. It's new. It's different. And you're going to shrink back and hold yourself back and you're going to have to restart time and time again. Sometimes we don't restart, right? Does that sound good? I would love to hear if you've been using servant leadership. I'd love to know if your organization uses it. I'd love to know if you've got your own pros and cons, what does and doesn't work for you. And I'd also like to know if this episode has inspired you to take on some of this people first leadership approach in your day to day team management. 
drop me a message on LinkedIn. Um, of course, you can also email me to support at tonycollis.com. I would genuinely like to know what you're thinking. Also, if you'd like to know about other styles of leadership, drop me a message. Let me know what you would like us to discuss on the show. And that's it for today's episode. If you love this, please, please, please do and go and leave a rating and review over on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. It helps us reach more amazing women, make that change and change the face of the tech industry for the better. That is what the human race desperately needs. So go give us a bit of love. Even if you've given me a rating review before, I love another one. And until next time, remember, stay on your tech leadership game, follow your dreams, because the world really does need that uniqueness that you bring as a leading woman in tech. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, check out how to get more of my help and some free resources. It's where I take what I talk about in this podcast and really help you apply it. Hop on over to tonycollis.com and check out Work With Tony and free resources in the menu bar. Until next time, this was Tony Collis on the Leading Women in Tech podcast.